a lot of people live in denial because they think that to be realistic is to be depressing. I'm Dr. Mike, host of Going There. It was the first song where I wrote about how I felt like my depression was killing me and I didn't want it. Going There breaks the stigma of mental health issues by having real honest conversations with your favorite musicians, including Alessia Cara, Lizzie Hale, Jewel, Jason Isbell, Gerard Way, Lauren Gray, Shamir, and Barty Strange. There was something there that was so raw where I was like, wow, I can't believe someone would say that. Let's go there on Going There with Dr. Mike, brought to you by Sound Mind Live and the Consequence Podcast Network every other Tuesday, wherever you get your podcasts. Did you know using your browser in incognito mode doesn't actually protect your privacy? Take back your privacy with IPVanish VPN. Just one tap and all your data, passwords, communications, browsing history, and more will be instantly protected. IPVanish makes you virtually invisible online. Use IPVanish on all your devices, anytime you go online at home and especially on public Wi-Fi. Get IPVanish now for 70% off a yearly plan with this exclusive offer at IPVanish.com audio. Hi, this is David Frangioni, CEO and publisher of Modern Drummer Magazine. So excited about our new podcast, The Modern Drummer Podcast. This weekly podcast will bring Modern Drummer to life. Sit back and enjoy fresh, fun, and insightful conversations with today's top drummers, producers, musicians, beat makers, and craftsmen. Whether you're a professional, a hobbyist, drummer, musician, programmer, producer, or just love music, this show is for you. Every other week, the Modern Drummer Podcast will feature world-renowned producer, songwriter, and drummer, Narda Michael Walden. Narda Michael Walden's Upbeat is featured exclusively on the Modern Drummer Podcast. This episode is brought to you by Tycoon Percussion. Tycoon Percussion is a world-renowned family-owned manufacturer of top-quality hand percussion instruments, and it is the only hand percussion company that owns its own factory and is 100% dedicated to hand percussion product development, innovation, and quality. Tycoon Percussion's core value is to manufacture high-quality instruments using the most environmentally responsible methods possible. They use only certified renewable plantation farm wood in the production of their instruments, and they are committed to social sustainability as well. Tycoon is also dedicated to giving back and devotes a portion of its sales to the following charities. The Center for the Protection of Children's Rights Foundation, Gift of Happiness Foundation, Drumstrong, and Children International. If you're looking for some high-quality congas, bongos, cajones, timbales, djembes, or other world percussion instruments, definitely go check out Tycoon Percussion's line of various products at tycoonpercussion.com. That is T-Y-C-O-O-N, percussion.com. Hey everyone, welcome to today's uh, podcast. Today we have a very special guest, uh, Gethin Davis from The Struts. Now, if you're not familiar with The Struts, um, you should be by now. They've been around a couple of years. They're a band from the UK and um, they just bring back some good old fashioned rock and roll. Their influences range from old school to new school. So, and combining those two, they create their own sound. Um, four really good-looking guys, amazing players live. I've seen them live, and they just interact with their crowd, and they're just a great band. So, Gethin, welcome to Modern Drummer. How are you? Thank you very much for having me. Yeah, it's our pleasure. So, the brand-new album just came out um, a couple of weeks ago, Strange Days. So is it true that that album was recorded in in 10 days? 10 days, yes. Yeah. So um, what happened was we were about to go on tour. Well, we just finished a short California tour, and then we had a few weeks off. And then we were going to do basically tour this whole year. Uh, and then we found out, obviously, we couldn't because of COVID. So then we decided, uh, why don't we try and use this time to go into the studio and just we were thinking three or four tracks because we'd already been working on an album up to that point and we kind of wanted to finish that off. So we decided to go into the studio and we managed to get 10 days with our producer that we've worked with before. Um, and what happened was we went in for 10 days 
and we recorded 10 songs. Like, I don't know how we did it, but we just managed to completely use that time and, yeah, get an album out of it. Which was, everyone wanted to do that at the start, but we didn't think we'd be able to. And I, I don't know how we did it, and I don't know if we could do it again, but... Well, it was it was magical because you were all together, thank God, and and it, it, it worked out, and you're working with a producer that you have worked with before. Yeah. Um, so it, it, it worked out. It was meant to be. And, you know, back in the day, the Beatles used to record albums in, in one day, in one day. So was the process, tell us about the recording process. Was a lot of it recorded live? Yeah, so what happened was we... Our producer, it was at his house, at his little outhouse. Um, we had a meet, like a room that he didn't have, even have a kit in there. Uh, so we rented a kit, put the kit in there. So he used that as a live room. Then through the door of the live room, I could see Jed, Adam, and then Luke, who was sitting down singing through a mic through the computer. Um, and when we went in, Luke uh, had written a load of lyrics uh, that were needed to be used. I had, you know, a few beats in my head um that you know were ready to go adam had a bank of riffs jed had the same so when we went in we were like oh let's try this for this this for this and it just just came together and it was a mix of being prepared and also just creatively just feeling free and able to express ourselves so the producer that's john levine let's give a shout out to to john levine yeah um so um, obviously he has a good setup. He was ready to go. And like I said, you guys were comfortable with him, which, which is very important. So um, there was really not much time for pre-production. It was pretty much, let's get some ideas together and then cut them, right? We'd sit outside. Um, luckily it was in LA, so it was beautiful. Uh, we'd sit outside, have a coffee, jam a song. I had a cajon. Uh, Adam and Jed had two acoustics. Then Luke would just, you know, sing along. We'd get structure of a song together. Then we'd be like, okay, this sounds great. Let's go and jam it. And then we'd record every every jam, basically, from the first first uh, run through. And then we'd work on little bits like, oh, we should maybe, you know, change it up a bit here. And we basically got everything done in about 15 takes each, I think. So That's, that's fantastic. Yeah. And, um, you know, we'd... We'd listen back then and be like, oh, that takes the one that, you know, we just kind of write down which one's our favorite. And it just worked. And it was really cool. That's that's fantastic. But it, but it's a testament to you guys because you, you I've seen you live. You, you're all fantastic players. Um, so you know how to, you know, you get the job done. You, you've written some, you always write some really cool songs. And, and you know, you have your sound and then combined how how did it come about with getting all these special guests? Um, so we had an idea. Um, it all started with Robbie Williams, I think. So Luke had chatted with Robbie about three weeks beforehand. Um, Robbie, that's a, that that would be Robbie Williams. Yeah. Um, so he called him out of the blue, and uh, they just had a chat. And Luke was like, "Oh, you know, it'd be cool to do something one day. Uh, have you like say on a track together?" So then when we went to the studio, we already had that in mind. So we didn't really write towards that, but songs would come up and we'd be like, oh, this would be cool. And then we, we thought, actually, like, so Tom Morello was like the first one I can think of. Like, we wrote a song called Wild Child and it's, you know, very rock. Um, I think it's the rockiest song that we've ever done. Yeah, I think, yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty heavy. Yeah, and we thought, who do we know? in LA that can, or just anywhere in the world right now that can feature on the song. So we thought, oh, Tom Morello would be great on this. And then the next song, um, another hit of Showmanship, we thought, oh, this is like very kind of early 2000s indie. Why don't we call, because we know Albert Hammond Jr. from playing a show with him. So we're like, why don't we send him a message, see if he wants to feature. <laughs> and all of a sudden it became like a proper quarantine album where, you know, we thought these guys, it's probably right now is the best time to ask these people if they want to be, be involved because no one's doing anything. Everyone's right, everyone's home because of the pandemic. Yeah. So we thought then, oh, what a great idea to have like a quarantine album and capture, you know, one moment in history for everyone. 
So I think we managed to do that, and yeah, we're very proud. And uh, Joe, Joe, and, and uh, Joe Elliott and Phil Collin from Def Leppard, because I listened to the record. Um, Christine had sent me the record, and I listened to it, you know, before it came out. And I just listened to it, and I'd say, "Wow, this sounds like this sounds a little bit like Def Leppard. Wow, this sounds a little bit like The Strokes." And not knowing that all these people were on, till I then went to look at all the liner notes. Yeah. So I was like, "Oh." It's a good thing I'm not doing, you know, I'm, I, I did a little bit of my homework. I'm not doing a review right now saying, well, it sounds like this. It's like, duh. Of course it does because these people are on it. <laughs> yeah, well, no, it's cool, though. And these guys, they're all, you got to remember, they're all our heroes pretty much. You know, we've grown up listening to them. So it's, it's cool to have these guys want to work with us and have something that sounds just as much as theirs as it is ours. Yeah. And I got to say, you do have a lot of fans, a lot of the bands, um, I, I know we 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 here in you know in the states here especially we we don't have many rock bands unfortunately so um, I was a fan of you guys from you know my son turned me on uh, my son Maddie turned me on to you guys that he he heard uh, put your money on me and he said hey dad check this out I think you're gonna you're gonna really like this and I've been a fan you know I've I've been a fan ever since. And I know Eddie Trunk is a huge fan, so you have a lot of support, which is which is great because it's not easy these days for rock music to kind of get on the airwaves and 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 get out there. And we 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 desperately need that. So I'm so happy that you guys are continuing to do. And I don't know if you remember the conversation that me and you had when I first met you, and I came backstage, and I just said the only advice I can give you is. You guys are four guys, a band. I could tell you guys were pretty close on stage and off stage. And, and, and my advice was just don't bicker and argue. Just do be get along. Yeah. It's four guys. Everybody, everybody is, is, an, is a crucial part of that band. So just keep it going. So I'm very happy to see Thank and you, proud yeah. a little bit and proud a little bit as well. Because Thank you, man. But yeah, that, that advice, you know, it, I can't back that enough because it is about us being together, friends, making music, and that hasn't changed. We've got close. Yeah, no, it comes through. It comes through. You know, music is real, and 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 the emotion that you put into making records and 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 the way you do it. And I I I think this record now I I I like all the records, and but this record I I especially like because it had that kind of like live feel, live element, like excitement. And that, that comes, you know, that comes through. People don't realize how much attitude, you know, co comes, comes through and it has to be true. So hats off to you guys for that. So let's go back now uh, to the beginning uh, about you. What, what made you want to play drums? Like, So my uncle was a drummer um, and I grew up in a tavern, like a pub in West Wales. Uh, so I'd always have music playing, like in the jukebox. I'd go downstairs, there'd be bands playing. So I was always around music. My parents were big, you know, big country fans, actually. Um, not that that swayed my music taste that much, but, you know, I can I can appreciate music. And, uh, yeah, growing up around that, then I went to school. And my, I think about five of my friends started playing the drums at the same time. So when we started playing, my uncle gave me his first, or my first kit, he uh, donated that to me, which was, I don't even know what it was. It didn't, didn't even have a, uh, a badge <laughs> on it, but you know. My dad built me a little soundproof shed in the garden, which didn't work very well because the neighbors did complain. <laughs> um, but then it, they stopped complaining as I got better, really. But um, yeah, it was just, uh, in school really and I started I wanted to start a band that was my thing because at the time Arctic Monkeys were just coming out and I found out that these guys were only like 17 and they started playing in school together and I was like oh wow I want to do that what stops me from doing that um, and then yeah we I didn't actually play a gig until I was about 17 18 but um, you know I, I had friends together and we'd, we'd play a lot and then did you take any formal lessons or you just, what was your, what was your process of, of practicing and learning? So we'd have allocated lessons every, I think it was Tuesday, uh, 15 minutes per person in this little room in school. 
And what we'd all do, because we were all friends, we'd go in together to one person's lesson, then we'd stay there for, you know, two hours. Um, and then, uh, so we'd, yeah, we'd have lessons first. Um, I think I was doing grades for a bit, but I didn't really concentrate that much on that. It was more of, it, the teacher was great because you could take a song in and then we'd dissect it and work out what was happening. And then we'd all have a go. Um, so that was cool. And then I found out that if I, started a band and did like an ensemble I can get an hour off lessons every day so I was like you know what I've I probably missed out so many maths lessons but it's, <laughs> I was never going to be an accountant so uh so that was that was my process really and then I'd go home and then I'd I think YouTube was just starting or in the early days so I'd follow a lot of lessons on there um someone called Jared Falk so mm-hmm. I'd follow Jared He'd put lessons up, then I just learned through that. Then just listen to my iPod, really. Um, songs that I love, play along with them. I would try to play along with them, you know. And, the, and, 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 and was there a little like friendly competition? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, that I think that's what spurred us all on, really. Because right, give you a drive, spurred. right, to drive yeah. to keep. I saw I saw a friend the other day. He was one of the drummers, and he was a great drummer. Um, and yeah, I, we were just talking about how fun it was like you know the competition oh i've learned this oh i need to go home and learn that and you know do it better than him right right and as we always say drummers don't hide from each other they teach each other they give each other tips and you know we because we're all drummers we always say that but even guitar players and everybody they have to admit to it because it's just a fact <laughs> yeah and I think- has, has, has any of those other gentlemen um have they on gone on to do they still play no, i think they all stopped playing. Um, I don't think any, no, I can't think any of them play anymore. Um, but, you know, it, it was just something to do in school that was, um, it was, it was fun. It was fun. Then. Yeah. And I, I went on to do music in college. So I did um, music technology. So I learned to record and, you know, use logic and all that. So then that very, was very cool for me. And um, whereas they kind of, I think one of them's a doctor, actually, which is, you know, completely different. Um, but yeah, it's it's cool. And I just ended up following the music path, really, compared to the others. Well, uh, you, 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 made the, you made the right choice. And I like that you said that you, your parents were very supportive because that's important in our business, especially mm-hmm. with drums, obviously, because, you, you know, your, your, your parents deserve a lot of credit for for encouraging all of us to... And, you know, to keep to play drums, because that's not an easy thing to uh, besides a bad violin player. You know, I don't know what could be more. <laughs> no, yeah, you're right. They, uh, they put up with a lot. But my my auntie told my uh, my dad, oh, I don't know how you I don't know how you put up with this. You know, it's a lot, lot of sound. And my dad was like, oh, you know, he'll he'll be in a, band, a successful band one day. So it'll all be worth it. Just kind of said it. And he, he brings that up to me. Yeah. That's great. That that's really great. Thank you, Dad. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's great. So, what what drummers were, were some of your influences? Like, who who was some back then? Let's let's go back then. Who who were some of your favorite drummers? Just a few. Yeah, um, Matt Helders from the Arctic Monkeys. Um, I'd listen to Taylor Hawkins, obviously Dave Grohl. Um, I remember playing along to I think it was Monkey Wrench on my iPod and. Uh, it was a little iPod Nano, and it was on my floor, Tom. I remember playing, <laughs> I smashed the screen, and I was devastated. <laughs> I was devastated, and then, funnily enough, ten years later, I'm I'm there on tour with the Foo Fighters. Opening, right? Opening for the Foo Fighters. So that kind of came full circle. Um, but yeah, I mean, Ringo Starr. Obviously, my uncle was a huge Beatles fan, so um, just listening to listen to music really more than drummers. I'd listen right, to right. bands that. I would love and then just play along. Um, but I didn't really home in on a certain style or anything, or I probably did subconsciously, but it was a lot of rock really. Right. You were, you were just exploring because of the, the music that you liked and the songs you liked. Yeah. yeah. Which, which happens to be, I get in trouble sometimes for saying that, but those make the best drummers because if you're not playing songs that are going to be played on the radio and, and be around for, 40, 50 years, then, you know, no one's going to hum a drum solo or walk out of a, you know, 
Yeah. Yeah. So, it's, I mean, not to take away, not to take away from all of the technical guys who can play with chops and that's all great if that's what you want to do, but it really comes down to playing songs and playing music. Yeah. I mean, I would love to be the drummer that has all the chops and, you know, I, I was never that guy. And I try to be, you know, I, I, I do try and to learn and but I, I think I've got my, my, how I've become, well, I think now like the best of my ability so far is through playing live with other guys, other musicians, and just, you know, listening to other people and actually realizing you don't need to overplay. You sit back. That's, I hit, and I do it every time. Every time we're in the studio, I get so excited and then I'll, I'll be like, oh, I can put this here, this here. Right, right. And then they're like, okay, next take, do half of that. Right. And, right. I, and sometimes you get in your own head, you're like, oh, you know, why, why can't I, you know, play all this that I want to express? But actually, you listen back and then it's like, no, you don't need to do that. Right. And then sometimes on live, you can put that in. Yep. You, know, you have your moments. Choose your moments, I think. Yeah. Well, that's, that's, that's why uh, there's a big difference between making records and playing live. Yeah. So what you said is, is absolutely true. That's a great tip. You can add a little bit more of that stuff because the energy is there. But for a record, a record has to be made like a record. There's a, there's a formula. Yeah, that's cool. No, I, 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 like I said, I'm, I'm, I'm so proud of you. I'm so proud of you guys, and um, I'm happy that it just keeps evolving. Now, we mentioned that you opened for the Foo Fighters. That, that was, that's pretty cool. You opened for the Rolling Stones. Opened for Guns and Roses. So there's been a lot of opportunities. Now, have you watched some of these drummers from the side of the stage? Like, have you gotten a chance to? Yeah, um, I. I mean, I think that's the best part of touring with any band is to be able to be on stage and get that V, right? Like, you know, you, you've got that VIP pass. You can watch them literally from the side. And, right. you know, I don't know about you, but as a drummer, when I go to a show, all I do is watch the drummer anyway. I can't, if anything, it's almost ruined it for me because I can't take it all in as much. I think I, I can't help just home in. But um, the Foo Fighters, for example, like, Seeing Taylor play, it's just another level. And it's relentless and, yeah, so inspiring. Yeah. They, 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 they were great on uh, Saturday Night Live uh, this, yeah. this past week. Well, um, fantastic. And then the, the new album sounds like it's going to be pretty cool as well. And then, it, and then Dave, there's a little friendly competition, you know, because Dave is a great drummer and Taylor's a great drummer. So that, that combination works. And Taylor's a great singer. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so, so, so that works. And, and I was, I was going to say that is the best. That is the best schooling. Standing on the side of the stage, watching someone. This is why I encourage people to go out. Now we can't, of course, and I think that's what uh, people are missing is going out to a live show and being able to see. You know, because we don't have drum clinics anymore like we used to. Although I think that might come back virtually, which I don't see anything wrong with that. Um, but that is the best schooling, either playing yourself, because, I, you know, sometimes you say to people, well, what's your practice routine like? And, uh, you know, if you're playing all the time, that's your, you're, you are practicing because, you know, that you're, you're playing. So that, that, that's, you know, you practice so that you don't have to practice anymore. So you, you can just play. Yeah. So you, you're playing. So to watch, to be able to sit on the side and watch these guys is, is a blessing to be able to do that. And that happens from being out and being on tour and then picking up whatever you, you can from, from these guys, which happen to be obviously some of your idols as well. Yeah, I, I remember, like, because when I was learning, I'd never, I'd never been to a gig probably until I was 14, 15. I remember my first ever gig was, it was Albert Lee, who was Eric Clapton's guitarist, or he had his own stuff as well. So he was playing at this small pub up the road from where I lived, and I'd, went there and I saw the drummer play and it blew my mind. And I, I remember that feeling from that day and that's never left me, you know, sometimes touring all the time, you get a bit, you know, you don't go to as many shows cause you live it. Mm -hmm. When, as soon as you go and you see someone do something that you've never seen before and you're like, how have they done that? It's, you get that feeling back. I get the same feeling watching that first person 
on stage as I do right now, you know, so I can't wait till I can go to a gig again. To be honest. I know, I know. We're all we're all praying uh, that that things are going to get better. It's still going to take a little time, but things will get better. Yeah. Yeah. I'm looking forward to, to seeing you guys again live and I'm sure it's going it, it, to it's going to happen. Yeah, so um wanted well, to play the new album to be honest we haven't uh yeah really i know yeah. it's like <laughs> especially because it was it was done live it'll really now it's going to take it to that next level when you when you yeah. guys get on stage yeah no we can't wait so uh john levine we, we, we spoke a little bit about working with john levine how, how was it with your last album working with uh butch walker oh butch is great we love butch um he's yeah he's a great friend of the band and such a talented guy yeah great drummer as well yeah yeah he'd um he'd lay some tracks down as like a demo before i'd go in just to know get the uh like the base of the song and i'd go in and be like bloody hell mate like i don't i don't even play really do i like you just you know it but yeah he's, he's very talented yeah i i i had i had interviewed him um oh my god probably maybe 15 years ago for a modern drummer for a different view. And everybody was like, he, he's a record producer, a songwriter. Why are you interviewing him? I'm like, cause he, he plays drums. Yeah. No, so yeah, he's a, ta- he's, he's a talented guy. So, um, Gretsch, right? Yeah. You use Gretsch. Let's talk a little bit about your, uh, what drums you use, cymbals, sticks, heads. Yeah. So I've got a, uh, I play Sabian cymbals, uh, so I've got two AAX 18, 19-inch crashes, a 22 ride, a 18 china, and then some 14 hats. Um, and then my kit, um, another story actually about being on tour with the Blue Fighters. Um, so I, I had a Gretsch Renown that I bought in 2015 when we just went over to America um, and it, it was a lovely kit, but I'd been touring that for about three years and it had been, you know, in, in and out of venues and whatever. So it was a bit battered. So we went on the Foo Fighters tour and we were chatting with Taylor and I was like, Oh, do you mind if I go and have a look at your kit? So I sat down on uh, Taylor's kit and all, I couldn't even play it because he's, there was, everything was very like, his seat was very low so then I'm, I'm obviously a lot taller than him. So I tried to play and I was just rim shotting everything. I was like, what's going on here? <laughs> um, but it was a beautiful kit. And he then, I said, oh, come and have a go in mine. Because it was set up in front because we were opening. Uh, he sat down and to be honest, he had the same problem, you know, different heights. So he was like, oh, this is weird. <laughs> um, and then he goes, you need a new kit, man. It's not like you, you need a better one. And I was like, well, you know, I'm, I'm in the middle of... Uh, trying to work one out with Gretsch and he was like leave it to me I'll make a phone call and then in a month from the next next time we saw him on tour I had a brand new kit and I decided to you know make it a lot bigger as well so uh, I play a 1213 Tom uh to the left are they single-headed on the side yeah and then uh two floor toms then uh so I've got an 18 and a 20 and then 22 kick uh, and it's a Gretsch USA custom. Yeah, so, um, and I love it. Having just more to play with. It's so much yeah. fun. Yeah, it has it, more colors. And like you said before, only use it sparingly or when you when you need, you know, when, when you yeah. need to use it. But I it's, not like because, it's not because it's there, you have to hit every single drum, you know. No, but I, it also gives you a lot more freedom, I think. With, and, yeah, and so musical, like, musicality, you know, you get some music like, happening. I think as the band evolves, we get bigger and the shows get bigger. So I feel like my drumming's getting bigger as well, bigger in sound. And then it just, you know, it's great to have. But I don't know where I'd go next. And uh, now um, for recording, do you use the same kit for recording as you do live? No. Um, So I go to, we usually record in LA. Um, So for the album that we just did, that was... That was just a rental, a gratuitous custom from Long Cohen uh, that got uh, delivered there. So that that sounded great. Um, but I've been, earlier on in the year, we were using a guy called uh, the Drum Doctor, and he has 
Oh, so, Ross Garfield. Yeah, Ross Garfield. So he has so many different kits, like incredible kits. Um, yeah, Ross, Ross is the king out. He's the best in California. Yeah, and he's great as well because you can, you can basically, I'll have a chat with him, like, I want my kit for this song to sound like this song. Right. Like, we recorded a song called Low-Key and Love, and I sent him a, a Beast of Burden by the Stones. I was like, I want this drum sound. And he was like, oh, I've actually got one. Um, I've got the kit that Charlie used on another song, whatever. I'll, 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 I'll give you that. So I was, I was just going to say, he, he, nine out of ten times when you asked him that you wanted to sound like something, he probably tuned that kit to... to, to exactly, <laughs> yeah, which is pretty incredible. That's great. Now, what, what sticks? Who sticks and heads do you um, use? I've got Vic Firth 5As at the moment. Um, so I was using 3As, but... Um, I don't know. I think I changed maybe two years ago. My my hands were getting battered, to be fair, with the three A's because uh, they're a bit thicker, right? So um, yeah, I just went to five A's. I think what I found was I was breaking a lot of the five A's at the start, so I went to three A, and then I changed. I think playing a lot, I've just changed my techniques, and now I'm back to five A, where I'm actually more comfortable. Yeah, people people don't you know when you're young, um, pe- people don't. You know, they try to hold on to a pair of sticks and they don't ever want to break those sticks, but they don't realize you have to try so many different weights and so many different yeah. types of sticks till you actually find one that just, okay, this feels like, this is this feels so good. It's like shoes. Um, yeah, I remember when I'd start playing and I'd buy, you know, I'd probably have like three pairs of sticks and I'd be so precious about breaking them. And then I actually remember my dad taping them up. <laughs> they tape them up. But um, I had a pair of Travis Barker white sticks from Zildjian, mm-hmm. um, and they ruined my cymbals completely. <laughs> I mean, it was pretty cool, but still, yeah. So I'm I'm not using them anymore. Any drumhead uh, preference? Yeah, I use Evans. Um, I, I actually can't remember what uh, heads I've I've been using recently because I've, well, I've not toured in a while. But um, oh, well, and in a way that you know. It's according to what you're recording too. Heads, yeah. heads are a type of thing where you change, you know, you change more than anything else. Recording wise as well. Um, for this album, I think two songs we did, we recorded normally. So cymbals and the kit. And then we were, the producer then decided, John, he was like, oh, can we try it with no cymbals? And I recently listened to... Um, podcast uh, with Josh Homie about how he recorded mm-hmm. uh, he likes to basically do the drums and then the cymbals after and I was I thought oh, that's, that must be so weird to do so we tried that um, and we did most of the album like that um, but it was very hard not like obviously you need to I need to still hit the cymbals to keep the keep the groove going right. so we ended up just taking pillows from the sofa and just taping them on the cymbals um, so I just play, yeah, if I'm riding out, I'll just ride out on a pillow, keep it in the other drum. So that that was a different kind of way to record for me, but I enjoyed it. I mean, and I think it's, it worked out, actually. Yeah, and also you need to do that anyway, so you're leaving the hole for when, you know. Yeah, exactly. For when you are going to hit. Well, yeah, exactly, yeah. yeah. But because I, I, what we tried was me hitting thin air, and I just, I hate that, you know. That was just right, the right. Yeah, I used to I used to bang my leg if I was not if I was going to overdub a snare drum part later on I I would have a welt on my leg from just hitting oh. my leg. There's yeah, there's a picture on my Instagram of me outside the studio and I've got a bruise about this big on my thigh. <laughs> doing exactly that. Um, yeah. And, and and back in the day when I used to uh, the period that I was doing a lot of studio work. I had to play on top of drum machines to make the drum machine sound real. And yeah. the hi-hat and the cymbals were always done. And that was a challenge, but you get used to it. Yeah. It's, 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 you know, you're making a record, like we said before. When you're making a record, it's a totally different process. Yeah. And it was fun. I, I feel like I've learned a lot from it. You know, and I think that's what it is, just experimenting and having the freedom to try things. Whereas, now, uh, on some of the songs on the new album, I, uh, well, how did the Kiss remake up? Are you a Peter Chris fan? I, I'm a, I, I wouldn't say I'm a massive Kiss fan, um, 
I know their hits and I've not really actually that's on my I've downloaded a lot of um, their albums just to delve into over quarantine um, but I haven't really listened that much but the Kiss cover came about because it was originally I think it was originally a girl song so girl was Phil Collins first band Phil um, Collins from uh, Def Leppard yeah so Luke heard the song and I think it's a great song and it's very cheeky very kind of <laughs> cool and i thought i thought it suited us pretty well so we decided to do that cover um and i, th- I think it's gone down pretty well i think luke had an idea of the video of having gene simmons and him driving around la but that never happened mm. <laughs> but yeah no it's a great it's a great version um when it first came on i'm listening and i'm saying because I, I i i appreciate kiss but i was I was older, so they weren't really. Um, I, wa- I wasn't really a huge Kiss fan. I love Peter though as a person and as as a drummer. Um, so I'm listening to it and I'm like, I know this song. Where do I know this song from? And then I realized, oh, this is the Kiss song. Yeah. <laughs> so you guys, you made it sound like your own in a way. It's, yeah, I like well, it. I didn't listen to the Kiss version actually go before going in. I actually don't think I'd still listen to it. But, wow, um, so that's that's see, that's why it sounds like your own. Yeah, we didn't. I think you have to do that, really. We do. We've done a lot of covers anyway. Like as a band, we always enjoy throwing an odd cover in there every now and then in the live set. Um, so I don't know. We yeah, we enjoy making songs our own, really. Um, I hate how much I want you. Yeah. T- tell us a little bit about that. That that's a big sound sounding. Yeah, that was the uh, that was the first song that we did actually so um we'd written that actually that song we worked on maybe two weeks before uh at our apartment and it was a ballad you know it was like a ding 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 it was like and it, it was okay but as soon as we went into the studio john was like oh why don't you try that in a kind of a shuffly kind of uh rhythm so we tried that for a bit and I was playing, I was trying to play a shuffle, but it didn't sound very good. And then we thought, you know what? Let's go to that kind of glam stomp. And then that's right. what did. That's A little what tribal. Did. Yeah, and it, it works. And I love that song. I think it's one of the one of the rockiest on there as well. Yeah, that that that's one of my favorites on the record. Yeah. And I, I I do. I I I like the drums. I like the drums sound on that. And and you know, the influence even before the song uh that um that uh, Wild Child, uh, that's the one that uh, Tom Morello's on, correct? And uh, that that's a little bit like, has a Jack White vibe as, as well. Yeah, yeah, I, I guess so, actually. I never thought of it that way. But um, Yeah, it has a little bit of, so anybody who's a, who's a fan. See, that that's what I love about the album. It has the struts, you know, it has your sound. Luke's vocal, I don't know, he, he sounds a little bit different on this record. Um, every once in a while, you can his his struts voice will come in, and yeah. you, you know right away it's him. But a couple of times, I guess also because there's some songs that there's two singers, and they they blend so well that sometimes you don't know if it's he's singing or Robbie's singing or or someone else's guest singing. Yeah. But I, I noticed his voice is he took a different approach a little bit. Well, I think it was with albums before or with, you know, songs that we've done before, we've spent ages working on every aspect of it. And we've, you know, gone back and forth. But with this, it was kind of, I think a lot of the songs were the take that Luke did in the room, sitting down thinking it wouldn't be, you know, used again. We'd actually record it properly, but it just caught the vibe. So I I think what I love about this album is just this live kind of sound, really. Like, we've not concentrated too much on one aspect of things and it's that's why it sounds like it does i think yeah and 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 now you just pinned it out for me because he feels he feels very relaxed yeah yeah and luke's range is incredible yeah on on tracks that we've worked on before as well like roll up and there's a lot of songs that he sings very high on you know and i guess he's in the studio like He'll work on it line by line, you know, like pushing for that, and he'll get it, and it sounds amazing. But on this, yeah, I think it was a lot more relaxed. 
Yeah, that comes that comes that comes across. I, I like it, and it, it it also it smooths his vocals out a little bit, you know. So I, I like it. I, I like I, I like the album. I like the album a lot. So people should check it out. It's called Strange Days. It's the band's third full length album, mm-hmm. and um, it's got a lot of great songs. I mean, I mentioned a couple of mine. Um, I, I, I like uh, Cool. Yeah. Cool has that that like Rolling Stones and that big big drum sound, uh, the big bang drums I call them. Mm-hmm. Now, was any so all that was done? Was any of that, the toms done overdubbed or, or? No, we didn't do any um, tom overdubs really. It was mostly just uh, no cymbals. So we yeah we we work on takes and a lot. So that song, for example, that this is the first album as well that we have songs longer than you know three or four minutes, you can tell that we've jammed out a lot of these songs. So cool. Um, we kind of just kept playing and Luke was like ad-libbing and just get, like getting carried away really. We all were and it was so much fun. Um, so a lot of it was very spontaneous and like couldn't really be redone because it was just the magic of the moment. Right. Are there any um, new drummers, up and coming drummers, younger drummers, or even older drummers that you've discovered? Um, I've been listening to, I mean, we toured with Greta for a while um, when they first came out. Danny's a great drummer, so that was cool to um, hang and see him develop. Um, they're a great live band. Uh, who else? I think, who's the last band? I'm trying to think of the last band I actually saw live. I know it's been it's been it's been a while. Yeah, it has. But um, I'm always listening to just new music, really. Um, but yeah, I've I've, I've found um, recent. Oh, I can't remember. There's a song called "Let There Be Drums." I can't remember who. who oh, sings. from back in the day, Sandy yeah, Nelson. Yeah. Yeah, Sandy Nelson. Sandy Nelson. That's it. Yeah. So I heard that recently. I thought that was pretty cool. Um, Are you familiar with um, some of the studio guys from back in the day, like Hal Blaine and Jim Keltner? And probably from their music, yeah. Like names, I'm not too uh, not too educated on, but um, no, not quite. Okay, well, yeah, definitely go back and check out some so, some of those guys because they kind of paved the way for for just about the next big studio guy, and of course, playing for songs some of those parts became became iconic. Andy Newmark is another. I mean, there, there, there's so many. Jeff Beccaro, of course. Um, if, you, if you read Jeff Beccaro's new book, um, in the back, there's a, his discography. And I was growing up, was a huge Jeff Beccaro fan. I used to buy records just because Jeff was on him. And then I discovered a lot of music that way. Yeah. And in the back of this book, there's a lot of songs because he played on thousands and thousands and thousands of songs. Um, now I go back and I, I go, oh, wow, I didn't know he played on this. And I ask Alexa to play it. And I'm like, oh, yeah, that sounds just like Jeff. I'm surprised I didn't know that was Jeff. Yeah. So that, that, those, are, those are some cool, good guys. Could. But I like the fact that you don't listen to a lot of dramas because this way you have your own style. And, yeah. and it's more about the music because that's what we need. Yeah. I mean, I, I listen to... Um... I watched The Who live at Royal Albert Hall. Uh, I think it was recorded like two years ago, but they did Tommy uh, in its entirety. And Zach Starkey, who I, you know, I'm a big fan of him. And watching him play last night, it was, yeah, amazing drummer. And I love and Oasis. Guys, and he's played with Oasis and, you know, it's cool. And you guys opened for The Who, didn't you? Yeah, so I managed to see him in 2018, maybe, maybe a bit earlier. Um, nice. That that was incredible, and again, like what a what a great drummer just to watch and like not even understand what he's done. I I've heard what he's done, but he's I just don't understand it. I can't put it together. So it's, it's fun. Yeah, Zach Zach is excellent, and then he was in Oasis for a while as well. Yeah, yeah. But, well, um, it kind of gave Luke an idea to put a screen a glass screen around me, but I was like, nah, <laughs> nah, don't let him no. Don't let no. him do that. He has to. He has to put up with the cymbals and the drums. <laughs> yeah, he has to lose his hearing like everybody else. <laughs> well, now you do, talking about that. Do you wear in ears or do you have? Yeah, I've um, I've got a wedge and I've got in ears, so I've got the best of both, really. Um, but it's made such a such a difference. Like, yeah, everything's so clear. 
and I can have my drum, like every drum just mixed perfectly. And it's, yeah, it definitely made me a better player, being able to hear a lot more of what I'm playing and, you know, velocities and just, yeah, yeah I love it. It's kind of almost like being in the studio. Yeah. Well, I, I, I find it hard sometimes in the studio to get a good mix though, because I, I always have to have a click right up, but then you can, the, the producers are always complaining that it's bleeding through. Right. But, you know, it, it keeps me in. So, so the app, that's a good point too. Now, so the record, you, you recorded it with a, a click? Yeah. Yeah, with a click. And then when you play live, do you, do you have something going on? Yeah, so we've got playback. Um, so some songs require a bit more instrumentation. So um, it's for basically we can't afford to have a trumpet player and, you know, keyboardist and everything right now. So we have them on track. Um, so I played to a click for maybe half the set, but a lot of it is improvised and kind of loose. But it, I, I like it. It's, it's the best of both, really. And yeah, and as long, as long as you're comfortable with it, and, yeah. and obviously... you a drummer, for sure. Yeah, you do, and you, you, you do do it well, because uh, I've seen you live, and, you know, it doesn't take away from the energy, it doesn't make it stiff, so obviously you know how to push and pull, which is great. Yeah. Well, um, in, in closing, um, what advice would you have for you know, for our younger generation that you're speaking to now, what advice would you have for them to follow in, in your footsteps? I would just say, get some of your friends together and just start a band. Whether you, whether you think you're ready or not, just do it because you learn together. And as long as you're having fun doing it, then, you know, you, that's how you don't realize you're learning if you're having fun as well. So it's not like I need to get better here and there. You're just doing it. Um, so that that's the advice I'd give and try and get out there and just play shows even though you can't right now obviously but that's one not a regret but I wish I started playing shows earlier not that it's really made a difference to me but it was something that I always craved to do and I think where I was at the time I didn't really we didn't really have shows or anything around where I was raised so um, but yeah just and have fun with it just enjoy it and listen to listen to all kinds of music as well because um, that definitely gives you more in your art, like you've got more in your repertoire then. Excellent, excellent points. Well, I want to thank you so much for taking this time. I know you guys are doing tons of press and and promoting the album now. Um, everyone, Strange Days, The Struts, get it. It's, uh, it's, it's a, the band is a great rock and roll band and we need more rock and roll bands. And then when we can go out to shows, please go see the Struts because it's an incredible show. And I love the four of you guys. I love the band. I love you as people. So thank God you, God bless. Stay Thanks. safe. And um, we'll speak soon. Yeah. See you. Thank, thank you. you, everyone. My guest today talking about Tycoon Percussion, which is his company that his dad started. An amazing percussion company. We're going to learn all about it and their latest product offerings. Please welcome Quincy Yu. Welcome Quincy from Thailand nonetheless, right? Hi, yes. Hi. Thank you, everyone. Thanks for having me, David. Oh, it's our pleasure. Modern Drummer welcomes you. So Quincy, tell us about Tycoon Percussion. There was a percussion and percussion boom worldwide and... Uh, we, luckily for us, all the best hand percussion products were being made in Thailand at the time, even though none of them buy uh, companies that own their own factories. Uh, we, we know those factories and, you know, we know that Thailand is, is known for being the best uh, manufacturing country of hand percussion products in the world. So we decided, okay, we'll, we'll switch to doing hand percussion and at the same time, we'll change our strategy as well. We're going to change from being an OEM exclusive manufacturer to building our own brand. And right around the same time that we switched to making hand percussion products, we launched Tycoon Percussion brand at the same time. So that was around the early 90s. And um, I think the brand really took off uh, around 2006 when we opened up our own uh, distribution company in the US, Tycoon Percussion USA, which I started in 06. And then I was there for about five years. My sister Ivy took over for another five years after that from 2011 to 2016 
And since then, we had uh, shifted distribution over to Hal Leonard Corporation, who's still our distributor today. And we came back to, fo- to focusing on what we were best at, which is uh, manufacturing and, and doing marketing on the products. And so and that's so- a brief Quincy, tell me, what are the the products that all the drummers and percussionists listening right now and watching should check out? What are you most proud of for Tycoon? And and what are the what's hot right now for everyone to check out as we're here at the end of 2020 going into 2021? Well, first of all, um, uh, we really want to focus on our product quality and innovation. So those are two of our pillars of, of our company. And so the product category that we use to showcase our innovation the most is also the product category that has been growing the most in hand percussion over the past decade, which is cajones. And um, with cajones, we've really been able to do a lot of unique things um, within our cajon line. From an application standpoint, we have a lot of great artists that are performing both on stage in, in packed stadiums where they're playing live and also in studio settings where you know the, the, the application needs are completely different. And so we get a lot of good feedback from them and we apply those to coming up with new new designs and new innovations every single year, which we're really proud of. So I would say check out our entire Cajon line. Um, there are so many, uh, so many products in there that are Tycoon innovations. For example, our triple play Cajon, we're the first three-sided Cajon in the market. And uh, I feel like that doesn't really get enough uh, attention. So that's been that's been released for for a number of years now and it's still really popular but i feel like it could be more because just the fact that you can get three not not, not only three sided but each side plays a different type of sound so you can, it, it's it's like having three cajones in one because inside we separate the chambers as well to make sure that when you're playing one side the other for example one side has snares the other the other doesn't when you're playing the non snare side it doesn't get interrupted the snare on the snare side doesn't get activated. So we, we make sure that we separate them well enough so that it truly is a three-sided cajon. So that's one example of a, of a Tycoon innovation that's really cool. Well, that's amazing. And so all of these products are available. Uh, where would somebody go right now to check out these products online and in social? We, we have a, great, a lot of great partners online, like Amazon, um, guitarcenter.com has, has our products um, just from... When I was there, we really wanted to focus on the individual independent dealers. So we made it a point to focus on building up the independent dealer base in the beginning. So I was really focused on on, on like the five star drum shops, you know, the the top two hundred independent retailers. Where I I did a lot of traveling in my five years there, just all over the country, just visiting those stores. And a lot of those dealers are still our partners today. And so you know, depending on on which region our, our fans are in, you know. You just, all they have to do is just go check out, um, you know, Hal Leonard's website where they'll have an updated listing as far as authorized dealers for Tycoon. They'll be able to find one uh, probably relatively close to them. Is there a Tycoon website that everybody can go and learn about your products? Absolutely. Tycoonpercussion.com. Uh, that's our worldwide website. Um, unfortunately, it doesn't list independent uh, uh, retailers, but it does list our distributors. So, um and you the can, product. So people who want to product, check out, yeah. for instance, learn more about the three-sided, uh, yeah, absolutely. you know, any of these. Yeah, absolutely. I would recommend checking out our website and also checking out our, our YouTube channel, which we have uh, short, we have short clips on demonstrating every single product. Uh, well, most of the products that we have, we're, we're uploading constantly. So um, yeah, I would recommend that as well. I mean, videos are, are the best way to check out musical instruments, I believe, rather as opposed to, to photos. So Tycoon Percussion in at YouTube. Yes, correct. Great. Wow. Well, Quincy Yu, thank you for being here from Tycoon. Everybody, check out tycoonpercussion.com. And until next time, thanks for listening. Did you know using your browser in incognito mode doesn't actually protect your privacy? Take back your privacy with IPVanish VPN. Just one tap and all your data, passwords, communications, browsing history, and more will be instantly protected. IPVanish makes you virtually invisible online. Use IPVanish on all your devices, anytime you go online at home, and especially on public Wi-Fi. Get IPVanish now for 70% off a yearly plan with this exclusive offer at IPVanish.com audio. Thanks very much, David. Thank you, Modern Drummer. 
What's up, everyone? This is Mike Dawson, Managing Editor of Modern Drummer. This is the Shop Talk section of the podcast, and we are checking out the Zildjian I-Series cymbals. They're calling them the I-Family. If you're not familiar with these, these replaced the B8 Bronze ZBT series, which was technically what they called an entry-level series, um, which just means they're more affordably priced, but they're still professionally made. And they had sizes from 10-inch splashes all the way up to a 22-inch ride. We got this complete set here. So we have 16 18-inch crashes, and then we have 14-inch hi-hats, as well as a set of 14-inch master sound hi-hats, which have the additional hammering on the bottom symbol for a little bit more articulate and cutting sound. There's a 20-inch medium ride. Um, then there's some effect symbols. There's a paper-thin 10-inch splash, a 16-inch china, a 17-inch trash crash, which has holes in it. And there's also um, a 14-inch trash crash, which can be used as a small accent symbol, but you can also use it as an alternative hi-hat top symbol if you want a sort of like bit-crushed uh, special effect kind of sound. Yeah, and that's it. So here's the crazy part. The price is really, really great. You can get 14-inch hi-hats, 16- and 18-inch crashes, and a 20-inch ride for just $339.95. All right, so in the demo, which we're going to play here in a second, I start out with the 14-inch hi-hats, 16-inch crash, 18-inch crash, and a 20-inch ride. Just jam out on those for a bit so you'll hear those. And then I shift over to... The 14-inch master sounds, I have the 10-inch splash over top of the 16-inch china. Then there's the 17-inch trash crash, and I still have the 20-inch ride up. And then I jam out on those for a bit. And then lastly, I throw up the trash crash on top of the uh, regular 14-inch hi-hat bottom. So you can hear how that changes up the sound. Overall, very bright, very articulate. Um, lots of projection, not a ton of darkness, uh, but that, that trash crash kind of gives you that, that funkiness, the 17th trash crash. Oh, I also at the end, I have the splash over top of the trash crash for like a stacker sound. Anyway, you can check out everything in the video, but if you're only listening to the audio, I would highly recommend you go check out the video. It's posted on moderndrummer.com along with the full review of these symbols. It's also in the video version of this podcast. But for now, I'm going to leave you with about three minutes of the demo of the new Zildjian iFamily series symbols. Super affordable, um, good sound. I would use them for, for teaching, for students, possibly for like punk rock gigs or something where I just want the symbols to cut straight through. Uh, freshly made, entry-level priced. But let's check them out. Zildjian iSeries. And see you next week.
Thank you, everybody, for watching this week's Modern Drummer Podcast. Stay tuned for next week's episode exclusively on Podcast One. Until then, stay safe and healthy, and thanks for listening and watching.